0: So I'm here in Cardiff where QPR got a somewhat unlikely 2-1 win out of a very respectable away performance on Saturday uh, before losing to a cruel late goal at home to Norwich in the Cup in midweek. As you may have heard, I'm not Alex. Uh, I'm also not Dan, Micah or Sam. Uh, So in I step Ben Summer as the Joe Gubbins of the Gen On Air podcast, which I think is actually a joke I might have made last time I hosted. Uh, with me here today are QPR's most enthusiastic American fan, Jacob Tingle, who's been following from the States, and Stats Die Hard, uh, Steve, from the QPR Analytics page, who is there in W12 on Wednesday night. How are you guys doing?
1: I'm doing really well. Uh, classes start here in the United States at, at university on Monday, so uh, I'm a bit uh, I'm a bit under it. This is like my midweek, um, this is our, our midweek cup match going on right now, so we're, we're in good shape.
0: Nice one, and Steve, how are you?
2: yeah not too bad not too bad um still trying to balance uh going to football matches with parenthood <laughs> it's um yeah it's uh, especially when you go to matches like um last night you do you do question yourself sometimes but um no i'm all good thank you and great to be here
0: Nice one. No, great to have you guys. It's it's a bit of a, a last minute lineup that we've assembled, but there's some there's some all stars here, so very happy with that. Um I suppose we'll go to Cardiff first, really. So um I mean I actually went to it. I don't I don't get to as many games as I like to. And uh, I brought my little cousin with who's a Spurs fan and uh, we sort of failed to fully convert him to QPR but thought at least we'll give him an authentic experience of the Football League and it ended up being just much, much better by every possible metric than we we thought it would be. Um, just a reminder, the changes for the game. Uh, Cook came in for Gubbins, uh, Armstrong for Kelman. Um, obviously, I think Joe Gubbins was not hung out to dry, but he was put in a situation at Watford that the club didn't expect him to be in. He probably didn't expect to be in, and I think it would be quite harsh to make a sweeping judgment of him and his career prospects as a result of it. It was just, it was just circumstance. Um, so that was naturally going to be a change when Cook was fit. Armstrong coming in is an interesting one. We obviously all know how that went in hindsight. But, I mean, Steve, if I could ask you, if you can recall at the time how you felt about that change, whether that was a change that you wanted to happen ahead of the game um, and and that sort of thing, really.
2: In terms of Armstrong, in yeah. particular. So, clearly, Armstrong is already proving himself, really, to be one of our most dynamic players. So, the more he is included, um, the better for us. He um he brings a lot of energy, a lot of pace. he's able to stretch um, defenses. Um, what he showed um against Cardiff was, not only does he have um, sharpness in the box in terms of finishing, which we've been waiting for, um, I think during during the course of you know the last 12 months or so, but he's also got um the vision. Uh, if you look at how he um, set up the second goal and um, so it's really encouraging to 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 see uh, a player like that in the team because I think we've felt over the last 12 months that he is certainly someone who can provide that and especially when you think about that those qualities being a little bit absent um, from the team over the last kind of few months uh, it's welcome to see him starting to deliver on that so it's 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 always exciting you always sort of get that buzz when he's announced in the starting lineup even if you're um just consuming the game on uh, social media or online um if you see him in the in the lineup uh, you do get that kind of um that excitement and that buzz so uh yeah I was really pleased with it and delighted with uh with the outcome because uh it's good for him and it's good for us of course um as a result
0: uh definitely and and I think I mean, once the kind of terror of, you know, are we going to concede in the first 10 minutes sort of settled and kind of became apparent that it seemed that we were playing moderately decent football. And I mean, Armstrong seemed like a part of that in terms of kind of Dykes being able to find him, um, the way that kind of what Armstrong was doing sort of stretched things out and, and Smith was able to do what he did. I mean, Jacob, did, did you find that with the game that, that it actually seemed like something different was happening and that the sort of claims that Ainsworth would change his style a bit seemed to be genuinely happening to some extent
1: yes um and and i guess it, it it is easier to say this like steve said with hindsight right um but i you know eight o'clock it's eight o'clock in the morning for us when the lineups come out and i'm deciding um i'm gonna watch every match that that i can but deciding how with what level of enthusiasm i'm gonna i'm gonna go in especially after the the previous week in you know, my son and i stayed on the couch and watched the second half of the watford match almost just out of, I, I don't know, like we couldn't move. Right. Um, but so when I saw Armstrong's name, you know, I just, he's, he is genuinely one of my favorite players um, for, for so many different reasons, but in terms of the Cardiff match, I think especially um, when you, when you saw that the that the formation was clearly going to be different um, that it made me really happy that, that, you know, that, that Gareth, clearly is demonstrating that he can grow uh, and will grow and will change. Um, and, um, and, and that maybe there's something in Sinclair Armstrong uh, that, um, you know, he, he might just really save the season for us in, in, in some ways. And I, you know, maybe that's a lot of pressure to put on a 20 year old. I don't know, but his positivity, his passion, his energy, he just seems like he's so he's like optimistic, when he came on at Watford down 4 0, I was like, he's like, I'm going to go score four, four goals. You can just see that in his face. Um, and then I think, I, I don't know, Steve, you know, on the analytics side, you probably know that you'll, you would be able to respond to this better. This is just a gut feeling for me, but he seems to like he's going to take pressure off of Dykes. Like when they're, to, when they're t- together, especially at the Cardiff match, Dykes seemed like he was freer just to not, like he knew he didn't have to be the guy. And I, well, I don't know. I, I just get that sense that that Dykes is actually going to be better for that pairing. Yeah, I mean,
2: it, well, it takes you back a couple of years when Charlie Austin joined, mm-hmm. right? Um, very different type of player to um, Armstrong. But when Dykes has um, somebody else alongside him, when he has someone to take the pressure off, as you as you're describing there, we see a better version of Lyndon Dykes, and, and that was clear when Austin was here. And hopefully, it's something that. Um we'll see more of with uh with um when Sinclair Armstrong plays. And I think just just kind of building on on what you were saying there, Jacob, I think the really exciting thing about Armstrong is that we don't really know what his ceiling is at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, we we saw we probably got a reasonable idea of what the ceiling is for um most of the players that we have uh, in the squad. We don't know what his is, which makes it really exciting that clearly he's still. Very raw. I mean, that was certainly true last season. I I think it was a shame that we couldn't loan him out at some point last season. I think he would have really benefited from a loan um in League One or two. Nonetheless, um yeah, it's it's really exciting to just think what can he become? Because the ingredients are are there. It's um can he start to do it? Um in this team on a on a week in, week out basis and also demonstrate to other clubs his own resilience. And Jacob, you talk about optimism there, but the idea that this is a young uh kid playing in a you know, a team which has low expectations this year and could well struggle. And there's gonna be that brings its own pressure. If he can handle that and deliver, I think, yeah, the sky's the limit.
0: Yeah. Like- Definitely. I mean, it, it was just sort of great to see like from the away end. I think Gareth Ainsworth said in the interview afterwards that Armstrong grew in front of the away end at the end of the game, and you could so see that. Like, he sort of came over to us, kind of gently applauding, and then you blink, and his shirt's off, and he's pumping his fists and cheering into the camera. And I mean, for him to get a goal so early in the season and just sort of go, like, okay, you've made your case, you're going to be part of this team, like, what can you do now? I feel like he's just the sort of personality that will thrive off that. Like any sort of challenge of like, Do you reckon you can get a goal? Yes. Do you reckon you can, you know, become a, a key player in the side? Yeah, of course. Like there's this sort of really amazing personality to him, and, and I really hope he does well. Um, and also on the on the Dykes thing, I I know that I don't know the exact details, but I remember hearing from from fans up in Scotland that um, Dykes' strike partner at Queen of the South, who I, I've just had a quick Google, and I think it was um, Stephen Dobby, um, got a silly number of goals one season. Um, when Dykes didn't particularly, and, and fans basically hmm. saying like that that is what Dykes is able to facilitate. That is you know, and we've always kind of known that from him. I, mean, I remember the first game when um, Charlie Austin came back and and Austin scored away at Luton. I remember coming away from that game going Char- uh, going. London Dykes had an amazing game today, you know, and and so uh, like you say, different sort of player, but I I really hope. That's how this goes. I also really hope Dyke's like, injury isn't too serious and okay. sounds at the time of recording like it isn't. But, um, you know, fingers crossed on that one. Um,
1: can, I, can I just say one more thing yeah, yeah. about Claire before, before I forget? Because I, I think, you know, Steve, what you, you just said reminded me. I don't know if you, if you both remember, very early in the second half, he got the ball just outside the box, kind of on the corner and, uh, and took a terrible shot. Uh, I mean, it was just, a, it was an absolute bad decision. Three people were open, uh, you know, uh, or he could have, you know, he could have like put it back to the center and, and recycled some play. And I thought, okay, you know, sometimes the worst thing that happens to a kid, like in, in America, like the worst thing that can happen is a kid hits a three pointer uh, and he's not a three point shooter. And then all of a sudden he's just shooting three pointers. Right. So I was, you know, it was like, this is now a pivotal moment is this is what Sinclair is going to is, cause that's bad. And then, what was it, 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, that when, when he held the ball and that presence to wait for, uh, you know, for reinforcements to come and squaring it the way he did, I thought in that 10 to 15 minute period, we have now seen the maturation of, of Sinclair the boy to Sinclair the man in that one like quarter of a game. Maybe yeah. I'm overstating it, but just like that, the presence to not take the bad shot because that's what he was going to do before the assist he was just you could just see like he's gonna go he's gonna just anyway so that was that was super impressive for me
0: totally and and on like a longer term basis I remember being at the home game the one-all draw against Rotherham um, last season when Armstrong came on and basically showed absolutely everything a footballer could show except for sort of presence of mind and finishing and and to have seen a game where he's added those it's like I, maybe he doesn't do that every week and I don't want to overhype him but like you say, Steve, that, that shows how high the ceiling is or, or the lack of ceiling, I guess, which is, it's just nice to be excited about a player. Like, like I, I can sort of happily exist in this in this pre-Ipswich mindset where I don't actually have to watch us play another league game and, and be excited in, in the same way that I was saying to one of my mates, the moment between Armstrong cutting the ball back and Pearl actually arriving is one of my favourite moments in football because there's just this sort of jeopardy of like, you know my my week could hinge on on what happens in the next second and a half and i know exactly what needs to happen and and how it could or couldn't you know go the way i wanted to
2: yeah we just 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 building on that point ben where we're we're we're, we're going to go through a season where we need as much um optimism as possible this is i mean mm. uh you know if you compare it to seven days ago you know when i actually did the qpr podcast last week and um I was on there with a few of the guys, and um <laughs> it was fairly pessimistic in tone because mm. could it not be, yeah, you know, how could it not be when um not just Watford but Oxford uh, and a pretty average preseason? Um, and and obviously we all know what the end of last season was like, you know, that that was the tone, and and we need these um moments which demonstrate that there is something in this team, you know, there mm. is the um ability there. Um, and you're right, it might only be, um, you know, one performance like that in three. I don't know. We'll see. But um, but we need to, uh, we need those moments. Uh, we need as many of them as possible.
0: Totally. And and I know that we ran a poll on um, on the Spotify version of the podcast that we put out, um, along with the last episode saying, how long do you think Gareth Ainsworth will last as QPL manager? And I mean, the responses were five games, 10 games, mid-September, maybe Christmas and i don't want to call anything too early it might be that we have a good game and then just a load more crap ones again but there is just this feeling of like oh there's the kernel of something in there um and and i know ainsworth took that like you know very far in his post-match interview and sort of going i'm trying to change things i'm trying to build something here the club needs to change and my dad in the car was actually saying like sort of you know careful now (laughs) like you're suddenly making a lot of promises off the back of of one good performance but it was a good performance and i'll come on to this i do think we rode our luck a bit as the game went on but we were having to ride our luck because the players were exhausted from running a lot to 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 the you know means to an end of actually playing well so i was sort of not as worried in that sense but steve you look like you've got you've got something to add there. well
2: i i i was just gonna i was just gonna say if you look at um so a lot of people you know I like to look at XG data. A lot of people use XG um, within uh, other statistical models. If you look at first half XG, first, yeah. I mean, XG me, I mean, quite obviously is affected by match state. And um, it's no surprise that if you look at the match XG for that match, Cardiff had higher XG uh, than QPR at the end of 90 minutes. But if you look at the first half XG, it's mm-hmm. it's around about 1.0 for QPR and um, about 02 for I think for um, Cardiff, which goes to show just how um, strong that first half performance. was. I mean, I mean, I know XG isn't the be all and end all, but but it's an indication of um, quite a bit of uh, width. Uh, well, quite a bit of range, I should say, but between um, the two clubs in that first half, two teams in that first half, and um, yeah, like I say, first half XG is always interesting to to look at because. Um, Match XG is totally affected by um, uh, match state, uh, and we did really well there. We did really well, and um, yeah, fair play to fair play to the guys. I thought we were really sharp. Even if you just look at the first goal, um, Paul Smith, he's he's kind of all over that left back. He he's he's yeah. pouncing on the error. Yeah, that is a defensive error. That goal that comes from a defensive lapse, but um, he's right there. He's he's ready to take advantage, and and that stuff that we um, saw too infrequently uh, at the back end of last season
0: yeah and, and I loved Smith in this game I mean I just thought that, uh, there was a combination of him and, and actually Kakai sort of pushing forward from this sort of kind of right centre-back kind of right-back position where I just thought both of them were always willing to take the ball on they always made a sensible pass even if not an extravagant pass other than obviously then when Smith goes on and tries to put a cross into mixed success but they were laying the ball off quickly they were getting into intelligent positions smith was dragging his uh defender wide and, and and pinning people back and just he was all over the you know i mean we were sort of sat rather than behind the goal as we normally at Cardiff. we went further around to, to be along the side and smith was just going up and down the entire time but i mean i really like kakai um you know and how he sort of helped out in that role um i mean i, I don't know if we I'll, I'll spare us going through the goals one by one just because we've kind of covered it already and I'm conscious we're a little pushed for time and, and need to get onto Norwich, but I I don't know if either of you have got anything else to sort of add from, from that game or any, any players you want to shout out or anything like that.
1: Yeah. Just, just for me, just to build off of what Steve said, I, I was at the new year's day game in uh, um, whenever that was, when Paul Smith scored his very first goal for QPR. Uh, and I just thought like, this guy is going to be a superstar and and just for whatever reason, it didn't work out and, mclaren or somebody didn't like him and so then he was gone um but but if we can get paul smith playing with that kind of passion and that energy alongside sinclair and a dykes that is maybe not inside of his own head then then we actually might that's maybe that little kernel of hope but it's paul smith and sinclair that combination of those guys um is is going to be really Maybe again, Steve. To your point, every third game, but every third game could be really fun to watch.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, um, fun to watch would be would just be really nice. I think we're all at, at, at that point, really. And and well, moving on to Norwich, I suppose. Um, I don't know whether fun to watch would be the the appraisal. I had a, a brief chat, Steve, with you before the uh, the game, but but sounds like a, a performance with some positives to take away. Um, I know you were sat quite low down, Steve, but I'm I'm really interested in. What shape we we kind of set up in, and it looks like um, what was it, Kakai Field and Gubbins all sort of involved in defence, or, or, or what was going on there first yes. of all? Yeah, so
2: so Sam, I mean Samfield proved um, once again what a what a rock solid player he is, not just in midfield but um, at centre half as well. I mean, it looked like a sort of five three two, and and again they. I I I we were playing a domer on the um on, on the on the kind of right side of the, of the of the sort of wing backs um and uh and we had of uh going down the other side and um i mean i thought overall as a as a performance it, i mean it was really a committed performance i mean the game was not much to write home about and i think part of that is that you go to a game like that league cup first round you know that there's not the same, um, which this is ironic for a cup match versus a league match, but there's not the same kind of jeopardy um as you as you have really, as you feel you have in a league match. So there's always that sense you going into that as a fan. The, you know, the Stan Bowl stand was empty, it was closed. Um, so there was a real, yeah, it was a wonderful atmosphere uh, there. And I think um that contributed to this sense, you know, that the game was sort of just drifting by. There wasn't an awful lot um, of, you know, jump out of your seat moments. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it was a very committed performance. It was resilient. It was strong. It was forceful. Uh, the team frustrated Norwich really well. The offside trap, um, there was there was a lot of diagonal balls coming over from the... Um, in the Norwich uh, wing backs and uh, played the offside track really well um, I think we possibly got lucky with a couple of calls but but it was it was um it was uh it was really switched on it was really um, uh, present and um, again comparing it to some of the stuff we saw well against Watford and in pre-season and, um, and obviously at the back end of last season it's a massive improvement even with a group of players who um, you'd probably describe as second string in some cases. Um, so I came away from it encouraged, It just simply at the energy levels that were on display. And I think that almost cost us at the end there with, you know, I think we ran out, we made a lot of subs, but we sort of ran out of gas. And once they brought their, um, once they brought their uh, uh, big guns, if you want to call it that, Josh, uh, I can never say his name, Josh, Sargent and um uh, Ashley Barnes, etc um, and Gabriel Sara. yeah, then they showed their class, but um I, I was I was I was impressed. It was not a bad performance in, you know, with all the caveats that it's a League Cup game um and you're never quite sure about motivations of players in and in, in teams and those kind of games, but in of itself, it was a good performance and backed up Cardiff pretty really well
0: and um i mean it it feels to me like that back three is is Ainsworth testing what happens if we don't have any senior centre backs available which is a genuine possibility this season so i suppose it's reassuring in that sense to to know that they they sort of acquitted themselves quite well and i mean do you think it was maybe a chance for a, a bit of a reset from Gubbins to sort of say look i can play a role here i might not be starting every week but don't don't write me off based on Watford or i mean how, you know how do how do we feel about his place i guess
2: Um, well, I mean, I, I, I just quickly for me, I mean, remember, we've got Steve Cook to, to come in. Um, so I, I really don't know about Gubbins. It's, uh, again, I get the sense, even though we're a little bit threadbare in places, he, he's another player who, if we could get him out on loan hmm. with the caveat of bringing in another centre half, perhaps on loan as well, which I know is quite weird logic, but, um, I wonder if that might be better for it for him, but, uh. I don't know. Yeah, it's it, it 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 it's interesting. We're certainly going back to the back three. We're we're certainly getting our money's worth out of Sam Field at the moment. I mean, you know, there is a there is a sort of perhaps perception uh, that we are that we are really pushing him, and uh, we hope that that doesn't um, that doesn't go too far this season. But on Gubbins, uh, yeah, not not sure for me. Not sure he's quite at the level, but.
0: And um, the other question, I suppose, is Lokesh. am Sorry, Jacob. I'm conscious that I'm not I'm not going to you very often, but I know that neither of us had the chance to physically yeah. watch the game last night. Um, yeah, no, no.
1: I listen. I listened to the whole. I listened to the whole thing on the radio. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm. This is. I'm loving hearing Steve describe uh, the the actual <laughs> what was going on in the field. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, J- Jacob, just to, to say, I'm assuming we both got the sense from the audio that Lakesh had a decent enough game or, or certainly put himself about pretty well. It,
1: it, it sure seemed like it, again, you, you know, uh, you know, relying on, on on Nick and Andy to describe the scenes for me, uh, but it sure seemed like he's going to give, um, you know, he's going to give Ainsworth maybe something to think about, um, if if not every week. And, I, you know, I, I was just thinking, you know, listening to his interview, again this this morning um there is a tone shift um you you know uh, all of our friends on twitter who are angry um qpr fans uh you know just you know comment about uh, how he he comes in in the media is like oh well you know we're gonna have to reset we're gonna have to regroup all of which we all know is true but he said for the first time or at least maybe one of the first times i've heard it said you know i think we can actually do something in this league
0: yeah it was very different it was you can almost feel like in real time Ainsworth kind of crafting this narrative where it has to start with we're you know in the in the mud here and and we're gonna really struggle and you know people don't expect much of us and then it unfortunately does start with a really really torrid performance and then you sort of go to oh we might surprise some people and then we can do something and yeah actually maybe the young guns are, are really doing something here um and i'm going to ask steve about about those as well that the, the young players that came on but and first of all sorry for the sort of hospital pass of a question about a player that neither of us actually got to watch last night so i mean steve over to you on on Larkesh, and then also on the the youngsters who came on towards the end of the game and what you made of them
2: yeah i mean i mean again in, in as much as it's it's just one performance um i thought he equipped himself fairly well um He's pretty lively down the wing. Um, he looks like he's got a bit of pace or has a couple of nice touches. Um and, and, and again, it, it's it's hard, it's hard to be um uh it's it's it, 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 I don't know what word we're looking for here? It's hard to be um uh totally fair with a kind of assessment or to fairly assess a player after one game, especially in a League Cup game where you know you're playing with um other players who Aren't regular starters for the club, um, and you're playing against an opposition who you're never quite sure of their motivation. So it's hard to have a fair assessment for um, for a player. But I thought I thought he looked uh, he he didn't look out of place. I think is how I would, I would describe it. And I think there's. Um, if there is an opportunity for, as has been discussed before, um, about Kenneth Parr possibly at times moving into a more advanced position or playing in as a centre mid, um, then uh, then I think Larkesh can certainly step up into playing on the left side of the defense. Um and it, and you know, I I think you're gonna build onto a question about the other young players who who came on. Um I really like Coley when he came on because he uh I, th- I think he won a corner or a throw-in or something near, near to me, and he came over to take the throw and it was a throw-in, and he came over to take the throw-in, and he was geeing up the crowd um, and getting quite lively, and he, and, he, and that was a guy who was embracing being on that pitch, um, and I think that's, again, that's really important when we think about the kind of where we are as a club, what the narrative is at the moment for us as a club, um, the, uh, the the... The discussion, you know, all of that kind of stuff about are we any good, etc. And um, I really like the fact that we had a player who was, who was, you know, just had energy and desire to be on that pitch and was ready to embrace it. He he ran around a lot. Look, I mean, did he have a dramatic effect on the game? Probably not. Would you expect him to? Probably not. It's probably unfair but I I really liked his energy. He was, the the pressures, and this is true of the team actually generally last night, we were putting so much pressure on them. And even though we were, um, I think, slightly passive in the first half, at the start of the second half, for the first kind of 20 minutes, we were really in their face, oh, in their faces. And we carved out a couple of half chances um, on the basis of those pressures. Um, and I think we were genuinely we, we got to the point um about midway through the second half, possibly a bit earlier, where they they were a bit all over the place, Norwich. They had, you know, this was not the game they had expected. And I think um the young players absolutely contribute to that. They um they they certainly played that their part in um providing that energy and being in the face. Yeah, Coley was constantly in the faces of um uh the defenders that he was going after. Um and um yeah, I, I I think there's there's reasons to be optimistic about that. I mean, I mean, how can there not be? You know, I think I think this starts going back to the the stuff about Ainsworth that you touched upon a moment ago. You know, he's always said it starts with buy-in. It starts with the dressing room um, and the right emotions coming out and all the rest of it. You know, he's a he's a very big guy on on the dressing room feel and and letting go of um, your inhibitions, so you, you have the freedom to, to, to just be what you want to be and to do what you want to do. And I think you can clearly see that's being um, imbibed by the younger players, especially. And, um, and it starts there because if we don't have that buy-in, then we are not going to get performances and we're not going to get results. We're at least um, on the pathway to that journey of getting results. Um, it's going to take a lot of time. It's Going to take a lot of time, uh, but um, you can see a vision of how we uh, how we survive in this division this year.
1: Yeah, I I think um, it is going to be really interesting to see how. But you know, I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. You know, Warburton, McLaren before him. You know, those guys would come in and, and in a cut match, and it was clearly. At least from my perspective, I don't care about this cup match. Um, in terms of in terms of how those guys recycled the lineup, and then you would never see uh, those players again, right? So for example, Masterson or um, uh, or you know Duke McKenna or Drew had come in occasionally a couple of years ago, and then just gone, right? That completely gone from anywhere around the squad. And you know, I think back a little bit to you know ollie in the first year when he was back or maybe the second you know as they went out alone chair went out on loan. but but when they came back they he he cut and it's a similar situation i think he was forced to we're gonna have to play some of these guys and um and i think about i think about it'll be interesting to see gareth's what he ends up doing right are some of these guys going to get and not regular match time, but, but r- cycled in enough where they can have that enthusiasm develop into, you know, performance, is, 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 if that makes sense, right? So Coley's super enthusiastic. He's in the face. But if then if he's not anywhere around the first team again for another, until the next cup match, until January, I think we're missing, I think we're missing a significant opportunity to, to, get those guys some serious match minutes and then maybe send them out on loan in January or, you know, wherever, depending on where we are. Anyway, that's just, I'm going to be really curious to see how, you know, Drew and Duke McKenna and, and Aurora and, and Coley and those guys, how are they, how are they going to be utilized this year in a meaningful way for their own growth, which is only then going to be better for us you know, if not this year, then then in, in coming years.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and I mean, when you're talking about the, the Warburton era, specifically the name that comes to mind for me is Faisal Batash. And it was this sort of really weird thing where I watched him make these little cameo appearances and thought, oh, he looks really good. And then, I mean, he did go out on loan and just it didn't really happen for him. So I'm I'm so conscious of not looking at these performances and going like, this player is ready to be around the first team. But absolutely, like, yeah, you know, they deserve deserve a chance, they deserve to be involved and, and, you know, then we'll know whether we've got a decent backup on our hands rather than having to find out in the moment in a sort of free-fall panic, let's sign Jeff Hendrick on loan, you know, um, sort of mood. So we'll have to see, I guess. a little peek behind the curtain, the magic Zoom timer is ticking and uh, due to sort of scheduling issues, we're not able to go on longer than it. So we're into our final few minutes and uh, I just want to touch upon one discussion topic that I'd sort of written down and get a brief answer out of each of you. Chair and Willock have both been linked with moves away, as has Field, but plays in a slightly different position. It's quite early days for those rumours and, and it's just a different thing in nature. But I, I'm interested in the Chair-Willock thing because we would get a decent fee for Chair from Leicester, maybe not what we would want. Uh, we would probably get less of a fee from Willock, uh, you know, with where he's at now. But possibly is that a player that we can afford a little more to lose? Um, I don't know whether one of you wants to offer a sort of minute-long um, assessment of uh, of which of those players you'd be more willing to part with if push came to shove.
2: Um, so, well, for me, and I've made this point before on Twitter and on on, on I think on these podcast as well um we need to be selling players who have a value and work for where there's buyers it it, it doesn't even matter if it's both i think it's um i think i'd love in this chair to stay i think he's a fantastic player he's he's a creative force in the team in a team which isn't blessed with a lot of creativity um even at the moment um but the real the reality is we've got to we've got to move him on and we've really got to move Chris Willock on as well, because, um, we do not make enough revenue as a football club. Uh, we do not wa- we don't come anywhere near washing our own face. Um, and if we're not developing players, and that doesn't mean just players from our Academy players, we're buying in like Willock, um, uh, if we're not, uh, succeeding in that pathway, then, then what are we doing? And I think selling those players, um, for, for you know reasonable values um is something the club needs to press on with regardless of how they um of how much they could contribute on the pitch. I think I think with Willock the general sense seems to be that the buy-in hasn't happened um between him and uh, Ainsworth and uh therefore he um he should be he should be on his way. But um no I, I just think both need to be kind of moved on now. Not because they're bad guys or bad players, far from it. Just because we need to be doing that as a football club, we really need to be doing it.
1: Yeah. So for me, uh, exactly, the, exactly the same answer. And and I, I will say this: I won't be sad to see Willick go. And just saying that out loud makes me sad, because, yeah, because yeah. Chris Willick is is in there is a phenomenal player. He's not here anymore. Uh, and whether it's because he hasn't bought into Ainsworth or because he doesn't believe in himself anymore, you you know, I I look at that, I look at his face and he does not look like the kind of person who believes in his own hamstrings anymore. Um, so, um, if we can get, if we can get a fee, that's 751, I'm like, there's 1000 pound that we can get. I, you just, I I'm sad, but he needs to go. Um, because he's, he's taking a roster spot from someone that actually could be you know, developing uh, chair. I don't know if that 10 million fee I saw from Lester is actually legitimate. If so, like s- send him tomorrow. Right. And I will be yeah. deeply sad to see that guy go. Um, I just, he is in, in my house, my 15 year old son, my 12 year old son, he is our collectively our absolute favorite player um, for all kinds of reasons, not just his performances. So I will be exceedingly sad to see him go but I'd be more sad if we decide not to sell him right now and then he blows his hamstring out.
0: Yeah. So yeah, yeah. no I and mean, this is I've said this on the podcast quite a few times that your sellable assets suddenly become unsellable and and you're in a huge headache and happen with Ding happen with Dickie and you know so anyway I've I've, I've done enough feeling sad about that and uh, we're running out of time. So uh, I think that covers it. I don't think we need to to sort of laboriously talk through how we feel about Ipswich, because whatever will be, will be, I suppose. And it's been nice to have an enjoyable week as a QPR fan. Uh, So it just remains for me to say uh, thank you very much to both of you. And until next time, come on URs.